0: Chapter 16 of Sister Carrie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bob Sage. Sister Carrie by Theodore Dreiser. Chapter 16. A Witless Aladdin. The Gate to the World in the course of his present stay in chicago drewitt paid some slight attention to the secret order to which he belonged during his last trip he had received a new light on its importance i tell you said another drummer to him it's a great thing look at Hazenstab; he isn't so deuced clever of course he's got a good house behind him but that won't do alone i tell you it's his degree he's a way up mason and that goes a long way he's got a secret sign that stands for something drewitt resolved then and there that he would take more interest in such matters so when he got back to chicago he repaired to his local lodge headquarters i say drewitt said mr harry Kinsel, an individual who was very prominent in this local branch of the elks you're the man who can help us out It was after the business meeting, and things were going socially with a hum. Druitt was bobbing around, chatting and joking with a score of individuals whom he knew. What are you up to? he inquired genially, turning a smiling face upon his secret brother. We're trying to get up some theatricals for two weeks from today, and we want to know if you don't know some young lady who could take a part. It's an easy part. "'Sure,' said Druitt. "'What is it?' He did not trouble to remember that he knew no one to whom he could appeal on this score. His innate good nature, however, dictated a favorable reply. "'Well, now, I'll tell you what we're trying to do,' went on Mr. Kinsle. "'We are trying to get a new set of furniture for the lodge. There isn't enough money in the treasury at the present time, and we thought we would raise it by a little entertainment.' Sure, interrupted Druitt, that's a good idea. Several of the boys around here have got talent. There's Harry Burbeck. He does a fine blackface turn. Mac Lewis is all right at heavy dramatics. Did you ever hear him recite Over the Hills? Never did. Well, I tell you, he does it fine. And you want me to get some woman to take the part? Questioned Druitt, anxious to terminate the subject. "'and get on to something else. "'What are you going to play?' "'Under the gaslight,' said Mr. Kinsel, "'mentioning Augustin Daly's famous production, "'which had worn from a great public success "'down to an amateur theatrical favorite, "'with many of the troublesome accessories cut out "'and the dramatis personae reduced "'to the smallest possible number. "'Druitt had seen this play some time in the past,' "'Oh, that's fine,' he said. "'That's a fine play. "'It'll go all right. "'You ought to make a lot of money out of that.' "'We think we'll do very well,' Mr. Kinsel replied. "'Don't forget now,' he concluded, Druitt, showing signs of restlessness. "'Some young woman to take the part of Laura. "'Sure, I'll attend to it.' "'He moved away, forgetting almost all about it "'at the moment Mr. Kinsel had ceased talking.' He had not even thought to ask the time or place. Druitt was reminded of his promise a day or two later by the receipt of a letter announcing that the first rehearsal was set for the following Friday evening, and urging him to kindly forward the young lady's address at once, in order that the part might be delivered to her. "'Now who the deuce do I know?' asked the drummer reflectively, scratching his rosy ear, i don't know anyone that knows anything about amateur theatricals he went over in memory the names of a number of women he knew and finally fixed on one largely because of the convenient location of her home on the west side and promised himself that as he came out that evening he would see her when however he started west on the car he forgot and was only reminded of his delinquency by an item on the evening news a small three-line affair under the head of secret society notes, which stated the Custer Lodge of the Order of Elks would give a theatrical performance in Avery Hall on the 16th when, under the gaslight, would be produced. "'George!' exclaimed Druitt. "'I forgot that!' "'What?' inquired Carrie. They were at their little table in the room, which might have been used for a kitchen, where Carrie occasionally served a meal. Tonight the fancy had caught her, and the little table was spread with a pleasing repast. Why, uh, my lodge entertainment. They're going to give a play, and they wanted me to get them some young lady to take a part. What is it they're going to play? Under the gaslight. When? On the 16th. Well, why don't you? Asked Carrie. I don't know anyone, he replied. Suddenly he looked up. Say, he said, How would you like to take the part?" -"Me?" said Carrie. -"I can't act." -"How do you know?" questioned Druitt reflectively. -"Because," answered Carrie, -"I never did." Nevertheless, she was pleased to think he would ask. Her eyes brightened, for if there was anything that enlisted her sympathies, it was the art of the stage. True to his nature, Druitt clung to this idea as an easy way out. -"That's nothing. You can act all you have to down there. No, I can't, said Carrie weakly, very much drawn toward the proposition and yet fearful. Yes, you can. Now, why don't you do it? They need someone and it'll be lots of fun for you. Oh, no, it won't, said Carrie seriously. You'd like that. I know you would. "'I've seen you dancing around here and giving imitations, "'and that's why I asked you. "'You're clever enough, all right.' "'No, I'm not,' said Carrie. "'Now, I'll tell you what to do. "'You go down and see about it. "'It'll be fun for you. "'The rest of the company isn't going to be any good. "'They haven't any experience. "'What do they know about theatricals?' "'He frowned as he thought of their ignorance. "'Hand me the coffee,' he added. I don't believe I could act, Charlie, Carrie went on pettishly. You don't think I could, do you? Sure, out of sight. I bet you make a hit. Now, you want to go. I know you do. And I knew it when I came home. That's why I asked you. What is this play, did you say? Under the Gaslight. What part would they want me to take? Oh, one of the heroines, I don't know. What sort of play is it? "'Well,' said Druid, whose memory for such things was not the best, "'it's about a girl who gets kidnapped by a couple of crooks, "'a man and a woman that live in the slums. "'She had some money or something, and they wanted to get it. "'I don't know how it did go exactly.' "'Don't you know what part I would have to take?' "'No, I don't, to tell you the truth,' he thought a moment. "'Yes, I do. Laura, that's the thing. You're to be Laura.' And you can't remember what the part is like? To save me, Cad, I can't, he answered. I ought to, too. I've seen the play enough. There's a girl in it that was stolen when she was an infant. was picked off the street or something. And she's the one that's hounded by the two old criminals I was telling you about. He stopped with a mouthful of pie poised on a fork before his face. She comes very near getting drowned. No, that's not it. I'll tell you what I'll do, he concluded hopelessly. I'll get you the book. I can't remember now for the life of me. Well, I don't know, said Carrie, when he had concluded, her interest and desire to shine dramatically, struggling with her timidity for the mastery. I might go if you thought I'd do all right. Of course you'll do, said Truett, who in his efforts to enthuse Carrie had interested himself do you think i'd come home here and urge you to do something that i didn't think you'd make a success of you can act all right it'll be good for you when must i go said carrie reflectively the first rehearsal is friday night i'll get the part for you tonight all right said carrie resignedly i'll do it but if i make a failure now it's your fault you won't fail assured Druitt. just act as you do around here be natural you're all right i've often thought you'd make a corking good actress do you really asked carrie that's right said the drummer he little knew as he went out of the door that night what a secret flame he had kindled in the bosom of the girl he left behind carrie was possessed of that sympathetic impressionable nature which ever in the most developed form has been the glory of the drama. She was created with that passivity of soul which is always the mirror of the active world. She possessed an innate taste for imitation and no small ability. Even without practice, she could sometimes restore dramatic situations she had witnessed by recreating, before her mirror, the expressions of the various faces taking part in the scene. She loved to modulate her voice after the conventional manner of the distressed heroine, and repeat such pathetic fragments as appealed most to her sympathies. Of late, seeing the airy grace of the ingenue in several well-constructed plays, she had been moved to secretly imitate it, and many were the little movements and expressions of the body in which she indulged from time to time in the privacy of her chamber on several occasions when druid had caught her admiring herself as he imagined in the mirror she was doing nothing more than recalling some little grace of the mouth or the eyes which she had witnessed in another under his airy accusation she mistook this for vanity and accepted the blame with a faint sense of error though as a matter of fact it was nothing more than the first subtle outcroppings of an artistic nature, endeavoring to recreate the perfect likeness of some phase of beauty which appealed to her. In such feeble tendencies, be it known, such outworking of desire to reproduce life, lies the basis of all dramatic art. Now, when Carrie heard Drewett's laudatory opinion of her dramatic ability, her body tingled with satisfaction like the flame which welds the loosened particles into a solid mass his words united those floating wisps of feeling which she had felt but never believed concerning her possible ability and made them into a gaudy shred of hope like all human beings she had a touch of vanity she felt that she could do things if only she had the chance How often had she looked at the well-dressed actresses on the stage and wondered how she would look, how delightful she would feel if only she were in their place. The glamour, the tense situation, the fine clothes, the applause, these had lured her until she felt that she too could act, that she too could compel acknowledgement of power. Now she was told that she really could, That little thing she had done about the house had made him feel her power. It was a delightful sensation while it lasted. When Druitt was gone, she sat down in her rocking chair by the window to think about it. As usual, imagination exaggerated the possibilities for her. It was as if he had put fifty cents in her hand and she had exercised the thoughts of a thousand dollars. She saw herself in a score of pathetic situations in which she assumed a tremulous voice and suffering manner. Her mind delighted itself with scenes of luxury and refinement, situations in which she was the cynosure of all eyes, the arbiter of all fates. As she rocked to and fro, she felt the tensity of woe and abandonment the magnificence of wrath after deception, the languor of sorrow after defeat. Thoughts of all the charming women she had seen in plays, every fancy, every illusion which she had concerning the stage, now came back as a returning tide after the ebb. She built up feelings and a determination which the occasion did not warrant. Druitt dropped in at the lodge when he went downtown and swashed around with a great air as Kinsel met him. "'Where is that young lady you were going to get us?' asked the latter. "'I've got her,' said Druitt. "'Have you?' said Kinsle, rather surprised by his promptness. "'That's good. What's her address?' And he pulled out his notebook in order to be able to send her part to her. "'You want to send her her part?' asked the drummer. "'Yes.' "'Well, I'll take it. I'm going right by her house in the morning.' Uh, "'What did you say her address was? Uh, "'We only want it in case we have any information to send her. "'29 Ogden Place. "'And her name?' Carrie Medenda. said the drummer, firing at random. "'The lodge members knew him to be single. "'That sounds like somebody that can act, doesn't it?' said Kinsel. "'Yes, it does.' "'He took the part home to carry and handed it to her "'with the manner of one who does a favor.' he says that's the best part do you think you can do it i don't know until i look it over you know i'm afraid now that i've said i would ah go on what have you to be afraid of it's a cheap company the rest of them aren't as good as you are well i'll see said carrie pleased to have the part for all her misgivings he sidled around dressing and fidgeting before he arranged to make his next remark "'They were getting ready to print the programs,' he said, "'and I gave them the name of Carrie Medenda. "'Was that all right?' "'Yes, I guess so,' said his companion, looking up at him. "'She was thinking it was slightly strange. "'If you didn't make a hit, you know,' he went on. "'Oh, yes,' she answered, rather pleased now with his caution. "'It was clever for Druitt. "'I didn't want to introduce you as my wife, "'because you'd feel worse then if you didn't go.' They all know me so well. But you'll go all right. Anyhow, you'll probably never meet any of them again. Oh, I don't care, said Carrie desperately. She was determined now to have a try at the fascinating game. Druitt breathed a sigh of relief. He had been afraid that he was about to precipitate another conversation upon the marriage question. The part of Laura, as Carrie found out when she began to examine it, was one of suffering and tears as delineated by mr Daly. it was true to the most sacred traditions of melodrama as he found it when he began his career the sorrowful demeanor the tremolo music the long explanatory cumulative addresses all were there poor fellow read carrie consulting the text and drawing her voice out pathetically martin Be sure and give him a glass of wine before he goes." She was surprised at the briefness of the entire part, not knowing that she must be on stage while others were talking, and not only be there, but also keep herself in harmony with the dramatic movement of the scenes. "'I think I can do that, though,' she concluded." When Druitt came the next night, she was very much satisfied with her day's study well uh, how goes it caddy he asked all right she laughed i think i have it memorized nearly that's good he said let's hear some of it oh i don't know whether i can get up and say it off here she said bashfully well i don't know why you shouldn't it'll be easier here than it will be there i don't know about that she answered eventually she took off the ballroom episode with considerable feeling forgetting as she got deeper in the scene all about drewitt and letting herself rise to a fine state of feeling good said drewitt fine out of sight you're all right caddy i tell you he was really moved by her excellent representation and the general appearance of the pathetic little figure as it swayed and finally fainted to the floor he had bounded up to catch her and now held her laughing in his arms Ain't you afraid you'll hurt yourself, he asked. Not a bit. Well, you're a wonder. Say, I never knew you could do anything like that. I never did either, said Carrie merrily, her face flushed with delight. Well, you can bet that you're all right, said Druitt. You can take my word for that. You won't fail. End of chapter 16. Recording by Bob Sage